0: reading corner today I'm welcoming Chris Naylor Ballesteros who joins us from Limoges in France he's a picture book creator and his first book was I'm going to eat this ant it was published in 2017 since then he's gone on to publish further books I love you stick insect the suitcase the lonely tree out of nowhere and now the tiny reindeer So we're going to be talking mainly about the tiny reindeer today, but I'm hoping that we'll see connections across Chris's work as well. First of all, a great big welcome, Chris. Hello. I was reading a biography that, you know, the publishers send out, and it says that you fell in love with picture books when you were reading them with your children. And I wondered what it was about the form of the picture book that captivated you
1: weirdly when I look back now it seems like really obvious and it's strange that it never occurred to me to be interested in them because I'd worked I mean I'd studied illustration and I'd worked in graphic design and even newspaper layouts and things like that so I was always interested in a little bit of illustration but not much um, for the newspapers in the magazine and so when I started to buy picture books for my children it really opened my eyes the breadth of styles and the things that you could get away with and there's often the minimalism of them and it really was like the, the perfect combination of typography illustration and and page layout and, and graphic design in this really fabulous format you know a nice big book is a bit like an album cover I mean they don't happen so much more but you just get like gatefold album sleeves and a picture book is more or less that kind of format so it's a big canvas to work on and some of the books just I was just surprised because I hadn't exposed myself to picture books since probably I was myself a child. And I just thought, wow, there's all sorts of things you can do. And it really did grab me. I just thought, I want to have a go at this. And sort of. So the things that I'd learned over the years, but doing other things, I just tried to apply to making a picture book.
0: Well, we're here to talk about your picture book today. Perhaps to start, you could just tell us what The Tiny Reindeer
1: is all about. Well, it's about... Um, Big surprise, a tiny reindeer. But he's really, he's impossibly (laughs) tiny. I mean, he's like not even the size of a cat. So he doesn't fit in. There's this big kind of gang. I don't know if it's a herd, but they're like a gang of full-sized reindeers. And it's a bit like a football team. You know, they're all, hey, ready to go on the big adventure. And he, he can't find his place at all. He's too small and he tries to help and blah, blah, blah. So he gets a little bit of a nudge from Santa. And he decides well in fact he's motivated to find his true home and real happiness by this letter that he finds in the in you know in the post room up at the north pole and uh, he sets off on an adventure to find his find happiness really yeah i did notice
0: actually in reading you know all of your books that a recurring theme is to do with things that are either tiny or out of their place so your lonely christmas tree is all on its own it's out of place because the other trees have gone um obviously with um uh, I'm going to eat this ant It's a tiny little ant um so it does seem to be something of a recurring theme
1: I'm not conscious of the element of, of the size but I'm certainly I think with hindsight I look at the themes of not feeling in your place and I've I think to myself that's probably to do with my experience because in effect I'm, I'm an immigrant, although by my own choice I left England in my late 20s and uh, and I moved to France. And it's not an easy thing to do. You do feel a bit isolated and a little bit lost. I didn't realise consciously that that was coming out in stories until I think I was talking to someone else about some books and I thought this is quite a, a theme. Like Out of nowhere is also about being separated from a friend and trying to re-find them, and the the suitcase certainly Mm. is about that. But with hindsight, yeah, I think that probably to do with the first year or two of leaving your own country that that I found quite difficult.
0: It's interesting how these things seep in in different ways into our work. Now, in another interview, I read that you said that a story needs to unfurl as effortlessly As a carpet unrolling. Yeah. But I suspect there's a lot of effort that goes into making something seem so effortless. Yes. Can you tell us how the tiny reindeer came together so that it reads
1: as this effortless story? It started off. I put this book together. Well, it wasn't a book, it was just a sort of a serialized thing that I did for my friends. I just decided one Christmas, and but this is going back about five, six years. Thought, right, I'll do a really simple story. And a page, I'll illustrate really quickly one page per day so that the last page is revealed on Christmas Eve. And I did it so that when I posted the first picture, like 12 days before Christmas, so 12, 12 pages, none of the other pages existed. So I had to do them each day. So it started. Mm-hmm. And then after that, it sort of gathered dust for a while. But I thought, There's, I like this story and I like the character. It looked nice. And, and so we ended up submitting that. To some publishers, and then it needed to be developed a little bit more because it was a little bit too straight. it was because I'd done it so quickly originally, the story was a bit thin on the ground, and there wasn't an awful lot of why and how and that kind of thing so we I worked with Sue super as well at my editor at Anderson, and we tried to thread in the story of the girl and what why she needed also this reindeer to arrive, which wasn't in my original version, neither was there in my original. Santa, well, Santa was in it, but he was also a bit like one of the gang. He didn't take any notice of Tiny Reindeer. So Tiny Reindeer had no friends except a cameo appearance by Rudolph. So we've sort of brought Santa a bit forward, and him and Tiny Reindeer have a little moment together where Santa gives him a clue and gives him a kind of a, the impetus to do something. And then he turns up again to give him that last bit of help. But it is still quite quite a linear story. It's quite simple and quite traditional. And um, I mean, what you say about the rug thing—you're right. It's very difficult to hide all the mechanics mm-hmm. so that it does feel like a natural story that just happened, and mm-hmm. you don't see any of the machinations behind it.
0: Yeah, I love that relationship between <laughs> Santa. You know, he's a guide. He's not a teacher. He's just gently yeah. pushing him towards what he, he just... should do. Love that. Also love the letter where you kind of have to read the letter to know what's going to happen.
1: I would say for the text, that was probably the hardest thing to do because we didn't want it to be too much of a downer. We wanted to suggest that there was some unhappiness and that some loss without it being too explicit. So that was very tricky, actually. And of course, changing voice because... There's no narration. It's the girl, like, I don't know, she's five or six years old and she's, she's writing. That was quite tricky, that part.
0: <laughs> yeah, really interesting. Yeah. So I wanted to talk about uh, the character of Tiny Reindeer. You've, you've, you've said a little bit about this lovely thing that you did for your friend's children. The visual character, did you have to develop that or is he pretty much as
1: he was in...? He's, he didn't change a lot. He was very much this sort of, well, his head's like a finger with a little bit sticking out. It's really simple to draw. And I quite like that because, like, I sent a thing to a school not long ago showing how to draw things. And and you can draw tiny reindeer in four steps and you've got a reindeer on your page. You know, it's really easy to do. And it's still fairly expressive. You know, it's got a full range of facial expressions and everything, but it's really easy to draw. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just a box with four legs and a... Neck and head and it's done. And he was pretty much like that from the start. It didn't change a lot. Probably spent more time on his pattern on his blanket. Because <laughs> they all have blankets. There's a page where there's the herd and they all have blankets on. I was like, oh no, they all have to have different patterns. So I looked up loads of Scandinavian patterns and drew loads of those. Lovely. <laughs> yeah.
0: I've been looking at your quick paintings that you post on social media.
1: Oh, right. They are absolutely gorgeous. This is fairly recent because I realized I don't paint enough. And I recently started making myself, every time I'm out, I try to just take a few quick pictures. And then when I get home and I've started to get into this routine where I spend an hour without caring if it's any good or not, just getting some paint on paper just to acquaint myself more because I'm not a natural painter. I'm okay at drawing. Painting is something that I find quite difficult. And whenever I'm confronted with a new book, I think, oh, no. (laughs) Because they are watercolour. You do use watercolour yeah. in your yeah. pictures as well. Well, yeah. some of the books are, you know, books like The Suitcase and Ant's Book and all that. But they're fairly straightforward. There's no backgrounds and it's really simplified and, and minimalist. But Tiny Reindeer was a bit of a leap into the dark. I did at the start of that project, thought, wow, I might have bitten off a bit more than I can chew because I've never painted these sort of big landscapes and interiors and people. And I wanted to paint it. I didn't want it to be digital and so it was a bit of a struggle. It was a, it was a big learning curve and I don't really want to be in that situation again. <laughs> so, <laughs> I thought if I could just make myself practice a bit more and if they look nice i put them online. There's plenty that look terrible and I don't put them online.
0: Anyway it's lovely to see them. I'm glad that you do post them Thank and you. so interesting to hear that uh, because there are lots of differences between this book and other books that you've done, and no. we, we can talk about that in a, in a moment, but I thought this would be a good time for us to look at some of the spreads and pick up the things that you've been talking about here. Yeah, There's a scene where Tiny Reindeer is leaping out of Santa's sleigh. Tell us about this and wh- why you chose this one to talk about.
1: Well, I like the atmosphere of it, and I liked... In the original version, the one that was just for my friends years ago it was there was it was a little valley with a few houses dotted along it. It was quite simple, as i said I did those I did those illustrations really quickly day by day it was this one it had to be a little bit more uh, a bit more panoramic and bigger and so it was more of a town and I wanted it to look like a northern English town. <laughs> it's not even subconscious. I just thought I wanted it to look like a West Yorkshire or South Yorkshire town, so I think it looks a bit like that, maybe just to me, I don't know. Um, Definitely
0: not. I was actually going to ask you whether nostalgia played into yeah. it. <laughs> well,
1: well you, I don't think you can do a Christmas story without having a massive dose of nostalgia. Um, so I, like the, I just like the spread. and I, like, I think it turned out OK. And this, as I we was saying before, it was a steep learning curve. And I struggled with this one for quite a while. But once I got that background down and built up the sort of darkness of the sky and the snow on the roofs, I thought, wow, it looks nice. It was Mm a bit of a breakthrough because it was like, ooh, maybe this is doable. (laughs) And everything's on paper, but some composition is digital. So like the tiny reindeer there I did on a separate piece of paper and I did the sleigh and the reindeers on a separate piece of paper so that afterwards you just put the layers on in the computer. It means that if you want to change something, you can move things really easily without having to go, oh, no, I need to re-illustrate big patches of sky or things
0: Mm -hmm. yeah it certainly looks like uh, you gave yourself a challenge with that it's very detailed the town at the bottom with the it's it's a stream is it running through it's sort of a river a river
1: Uh, yeah yeah a little river and then a sort of town center and then a few houses on the other side and the nice thing was getting the you know well it looked all a bit bland but afterwards I used acrylic to put the white snow on top it's like oh man it looks we're starting to look Christmassy, and then i added the little lights and glowing street lamps and it's like ooh, it really took life when that yeah. was put on at the end
0: so the acrylic is a bit more opaque is it and a bit stronger than if you yeah. use the watercolor
1: yeah you can put it on afterwards. all those like the snowflakes and stuff for all acrylic because it's mm. opaque exactly and, and you can just blob it on afterwards
0: yeah brilliant mm. and it goes over all the layers so it kind of also
1: pulls the that one yeah together. I think I had to do a tiny cheat because there's some bits where there's some snowflakes in front of the sleigh and in front of tiny reindeer so I, I mm. think I'd, I added on another layer of just snow as well just to put in the real because the thing about snow is it, it only looks real if you've got different scales You need some really big ones that look close to you and then you need some slightly fainter, smaller ones so it gives this impression of depth. Yeah. It's really simple, but it really works. What was the second
0: picture that you wanted to talk about, Chris?
1: It's the back end paper, which is generally what you use just to... Often it's not even part of the story. Um, Mm. It's just what's on the inside of the back cover and it's usually a spread. Obviously, you've got two empty pages to fill. This one... Really, it's a, it is a real part of the story. There's no words on it, but it's this lovely moment because there's quite a lot of interiors and Tiny Reindeer arrives at the house and it's middle of the night and it's dark. And then the morning comes and there's this lovely sort of um, first meeting between the girl and the, and the reindeer. And we decided it needed, it needed to open up and be outside and have that nice kind sort of crisp, cold winter scene we hadn't really had one of those for a while in the book it's a lot of it happens at night so we had this girl like running with you know complete joy with this this reindeer that she's got and she's dashing along outside in this the garden's covered in snow and there's a little house in the background with a with a family looking out the door and again it was another one it was a bit of a challenge most of the pages were to be honest but this one to get this snow that kind of looks like it's really reflecting the sunlight and the little bit of shading and stuff and it turned out okay and I probably one of my favorites in the book that one I don't know it's just a nice feeling just to be running around in snow you know when you're a kid (laughs) yeah you know it really
0: captures that feeling of Christmas morning that children have that we perhaps lose a little bit that excitement I wanted to pick out a spread mm-hmm. to talk about as well. Right. And it's Christmas Eve mm-hmm. and the little girl, she's asleep in bed. And Santa has brought tiny reindeer up on the palm of his hand. And the yeah. little girl's been wishing for this tiny reindeer. Um, and I thought there was so much here in the, the detail um, of the drawing. And this is one of the things that I love about picture books is that they do repay very often a second and a third reading because you're going to notice more and this seemed to be a spread where I was going to notice a lot of things if I came back to it a second time or a third time. Tell me a little bit about what you've put into this picture here.
1: Well it's funny it's interesting you're saying about how much it's Hard to know how much to put in sometimes, and I sometimes think, "Oh really, have I overegged this? Is there too much going on? Sometimes there can be, and you think, we've got to take things out because there's you've got to direct people's eyes to the right place, yeah. and you don't want too many distractions, and a lot of illustration is about that, and it's the same that actually I learned doing newspaper page layouts. It's like the hierarchy of a page got a, people's eyes need to know where to look first and where to look second and then with a the newspaper page you only look at it once normally but with a picture book you can go back afterwards and look at different things but there has to be a kind of direction so sometimes you have to know how much to put in and not put in and I don't know if I always get that right but anyway so in this yeah there's she's, she's got a bookshelf I mean it's nice to show that a children's uh, bedroom is full of books there's a little slippers, like little animal slippers under the bed. Um, I think they're based on my daughter's. It's like she fell asleep reading a book. There's a book on the floor. And then there's pictures on the wall. that are, I think a lot of illustrators do this, children's pictures. I use my own children's pictures. Um, there's a photograph, which is really the photograph of this girl in the image and her grandfather. But the grandfather in the image is actually my dad. Obviously, my children's grandfather, so I sneak that in because he he died. I think it would be two years before I was working on this, so I thought it would be nice to, because it's a story as well about the girl and her relationship to her, her grandfather. Even though that's not explicit in the book, that's there. That's the reason why she wants this reindeer. So I thought it would be nice to include that photograph.
0: Yeah, just picking up on what you said. I mean, you tell you can tell a little bit about her character as well
1: yeah. from the kinds of things she's surrounded with. Yeah, you do, and. To be honest, a lot of it. I mean, I, I thought about what kind of things, and I looked at my children's bedrooms. I thought, what did? And oh, well, a few mm-hmm. years ago, what did they draw? You know, they had a go at drawing all kinds of things, stuff like that. Um, teddy bear with
0: a Father Christmas hat on. Yeah, well, on I wonder that's, that's got the
1: time. <laughs> that's right, and also she's fast asleep. But the two things that can kind of see Santa is the teddy bear who's looking at him with a big smile, and the clock. I may, I tried to make him look kind of like, ooh, Santa's here. I don't know if it came across, but I just wanted a little thing that if you looked at the clock face, he looks like he's surprised and looking at Santa.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, The thing you were saying about not letting the detail get in the way, you want to keep the attention directed on the main focus and light really
1: helps with that, doesn't it, in this particular? Yeah, Yeah, certainly, because there's that big sort of bedside lamp glow in that corner and then the, the framing of Santa by the light from the hallway behind him. So Mm -hmm. straight away you're looking at those two things and then afterwards you might start glancing around the room and see the other little details. But what's important story-wise there is those three characters and what they're doing. And it's the
0: first time we see the sleigh, which of course is brightly lit as well.
1: Yeah, Um, and the fact that it's right next to her. Yeah. You know, she's put it there kind of because it's really important to her because she's hoping something might happen.
0: It's not the first time that you've written about uh, Christmas you had your lonely oh. Christmas tree uh, yeah. book you've talked about Christmas being a time of nostalgia is that what made you do those two books or is there something else about Christmas and what it means to well
1: you? I don't really know the thing is the the Christmas book um sorry the Christmas tree book was a similar thing it was a thing I did for my friends that I shared because I did it first with the reindeer tiny reindeer and my friends really liked it and my friends' children liked it. So I thought, I'll do it again. I printed a few and sent them to people as Christmas cards, like a 12-page Christmas card, because there's no text in it. it was, originally, it was a wordless picture story. And so I printed a few and sent. And I sent them to, at the time, my editor it was at Bloomsbury. And and she really liked it and she said, shall we make it into a book? So that's how that came about. I don't know if I have a particular affinity with or for Christmas stories, it's just that those two stories I'd, I'd done and they were there and they were both okay stories that worked. But the tree, whereas Tiny Reindeer, the original and the finished published one are quite similar. The tree was really different. It was, as I say, there was no text. It was all in like sepia monotone. It was really low key and quiet. And then the published one came and it had like text added like a Christmas rhyme and and. It was quite a difference between the original and the finished product.
0: Interesting. Uh, One of the things that I have noticed in reading all of your books, you know, together in a short space of time, is how different they are. For instance, the lonely tree has a very different visual aesthetic to Mm. I'm going to eat this ant. And again, it's very different to the tiny reindeer. But you also employ a different kind of verbal storytelling uh, the Tiny Reindeer is what I would call a kind of classic narrative. And it's there's quite a lot of text um, in, in that story, oh, whereas yeah. it's a rhyme for The Lonely Christmas and very pared back uh, first person sort of direct thought for um, your aunt and auntie to book. So yeah. my question, sorry for the length of this one, is whether it's the story that dictates the approach, whether you like to keep things fresh. And exciting for yourself or whether you're
1: experimenting
0: to find out where you feel most comfortable.
1: I wish I could say there was a master plan and that I'm moving seamlessly from one technique through to the next <laughs> and that but there's absolutely no plan at all. For a start there's, there are very different kinds of stories and that's mostly because I just have to go with the, the ideas that work best whatever they may be in the end. I have to have a lot of ideas because you know four out of five are not worth developing and then one out of five you think, oh, that's got something. And then it might or might not become a finished story and then might or might not become a book. So it's so rare to get a good idea that you think works that you've got. I have to follow it up no matter what kind of story it is or what kind of mood it might be. I just think, right, there's something in that. I'm going to develop it and see if it works. And I do realise I'm looking at my, you know, the books that I've done as you say, they are really different, and and I sometimes think, oh heck, it would be nice to have like a coherence to at least visually a, a visual coherence. But on the other hand, I think, well, does anyone care really? You know, no one's going to be a completist of my work and go, oh, these are all, you know, they don't sit well together. Like you say, you've got to sort of use what works for a story, and a, and a, a story like Tiny Rain did need a sort of a detailed world with real, fairly real looking elements in it. Mm. That wouldn't have worked for a story about an ant that gets, you know, imagined into sandwiches. and Yeah,
0: sautéed, all, all yeah. sorts of things.
1: <laughs> that, yeah, that suited a quite simple, stylized look to it, which mm. I really enjoyed doing. And that carried through to quite a few books.
0: Mm. The story is the primary thing. That's what I take from that. Yeah. And... Do you know, Chris, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today in the Reading Corner.
1: Oh, you too, Nikki?
0: Thank you so much for joining me.
1: Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure.
0: In the Reading Corner is presented by Nikki Gamble and produced by Alison Hughes. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please do leave a review for us. To find out about other projects, including an audience with events and the Exploring Children's Literature Summer School, visit www.exploringchildrensliterature.uk
1: Join us again soon in the Reading Corner on your favourite podcast platform.